This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Hello, everyone. This is William White on the ones and twos for the 28th of January, 2021. With me today is criminal lawyer out of Tampa, Florida, best known for his appearance in Netflix's wildly popular Tiger King. Today, we go behind the resume and learn more about Joseph Fritz. Joseph, how are you? Good morning. So I really wanted to start early today and ask, when did you become interested in the law, generally speaking? Back in Houston, where I was raised in the 60s, 70s, um, but it was delayed for quite some period of time. Matter of fact, law is my second career. What did you do before? Um, well, believe it, I taught at the University of Cincinnati and ran their computer center um, until 1981. And before you did that, did you do a bachelor's, bachelor's degree in computers or something like that? I have a BBA from the University of Houston, an MBA from Texas A&M, all but dissertation in econometrics from Texas A&M, and uh, then went uh, into the computer industry um, for a number of years and went to law school, I think, from um, 70, 77 to 80, I think it was, and then became licensed in 81 and practiced for 40 years. Interesting. So what caused the switch then? I, um, I could see what was happening with computing and it was getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And you just couldn't make a living at it anymore, except in the huge mainframe stuff. So I decided right. to get out of it. So when you got out of it and you switched to law, did that make you a first generation lawyer for your family? Yes. Um, did you find you went to Northern Kentucky University for law, correct? I did. Right. Did you find that law school set you up well for your future career? Pretty much. They did their job. They got me through the bar. That's law school's job is get you through the bar. Um, right. Did you develop your interest in criminal law in law school? Uh, I've, I think I always had somewhat of an interest in it. Well, I have a um, uh, saw Tiger King. You know that I represented Jack Don Lewis. Yes, because sir. of his his um, leases, contracts, deeds, mortgages, notes, things mm. of that nature, and his animals. So, you know, animal control I dealt with, and uh, commercial law mm. I dealt with, and um, that's you know, and personal injury. Of course, I do my share of that. But right. you know, just a rounded practice, I guess. It's not just not totally criminal law. Matter of fact, the recent days. The, um, in recent days, criminal law is kind of on the, the wane, really. Mm. Why do you think that is? Um, sentencing guidelines and public defenders. What, when you say public defenders, what do you mean? What I mean is, is why would you go hire a criminal attorney if, you know, if, if you get X, if you do X, the criminal code or the punishment code says you get Y. Why do you, what do you think a private attorney could do for you? There's only one mm, thing they can really do, and that's negotiate the case. But public defenders are doing that too. The public defenders have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, practices. Um, so then related to the types of law you practice now, 
where was your first job out of law school? And did you get it while you were still in law school? My first job at law, I worked for myself. I've never worked for anybody else. So you came out of law school and just set up your own practice? Sure. Did you feel trepidation doing that? Um, because when I, I quit, I was getting paid by the state of Ohio. But it worked out well. But you still, but you still did it. Now, I wonder, um, other than the financial fears, were there any other fears related to doing it? And how did you, I guess my question really is, how did you surmount those fears? I feel like most people wouldn't do it. Uh, I wasn't really, unlike most law students, I had no debt. I had some assets. Um, I had some backing, not, I don't mean people backing me, but I, I had some money at the time. Um, and uh, it wasn't like I just came out of law school broke as hell because I just had a good paying job at the, with the uh, state of Ohio. So to some degree, having a, a full career before made it much easier for you um, Absolutely. financially and otherwise to sort of take that step. That's interesting. Um, so after you started your own career, when did you feel you had cemented yourself as sort of a strong and independent attorney? Well, probably, probably at the five or 10 year mark. Let's say in your third year, right? What was your daily life like? In my third year in practice? Yes, sir. <clears throat> well, uh, basically, the courts were d divided into morning court and afternoon court. And before the tech revolution and stuff, we first of all, we uh, three years in, we were on 14-inch long paper, not 11. And um, <clears throat> when I first started, you could actually check out a file from the clerk's office and bring it home. Uh, that's no more. Now we're on shorter paper. Now we're on computers. Um, huh? Oh, absolutely. And for nine years, nine years in there, I was also a trustee in the bankruptcy court, Chapter Seven trustee, and we could go in there, pull our own files, do what we wanted to do. But all of that is just now. It's um, what's changed the most, I guess, is now it seems to be that it's form over substance, which is a shame. Yes, sir. Did you find that your work balance, your work life balance has sort of improved over time as you gain more employees and as you grow your practice? Oh, I, you know, I'm semi-retired now. I don't have to do a damn thing. So yes, it's easier. <laughs> Good for you, sir. Good for you. Did you find that was sort of a process that's improved every year for you? Or did you find that you sort of worked for 20 years and then maybe the 25th year things started changing substantially? Well, I think in every career, every legal career, you have two or three really good days. Um, yes. Like um, I, in a trucking accident, I hit, I hit a jackpot, uh, lifetime structure yes, of six six point one million. But you only have wow. two or three of those in the course of a, of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. so you just got to be careful. They'll come your way. You have to put on your clothes, go to work every damn day. You know it. Um, mm. It's the damnedest thing you've ever seen, but people, kids, young people, people coming out of law school today are swinging for the fence on each and every pitch. That's not the way you right. get rich. The way you get rich mm -hmm. is put your clothes on and go to work every damn day. And after 30 years, you say, my God, what happened? I'm well to do. So consistency to you is the key. Absolutely. I know bonds. I know. 
let me give you, there's two people in North America that can write a $5 million bail bond. Okay. Yes, and I, re I represent one of them over in St. Pete. <clears throat> to give you an idea, a, a beginning bondsman has to ask permission to write one over 7,500 generally. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, while he could write a $5 million bond, he would still get up at two o'clock in the morning and go write a $500 bond for DUI. Right. Uh, turning the story to what you're famous for, how long were you involved uh, in the Don Lewis and Carol Baskin case before filming of Tiger King began? Oh, shoot. Uh, Ann McQueen uh, is a friend then, a friend now, and, and is starting to work for me part-time. So there hasn't been a... There hasn't been a time for the last, what, 25 or so years that I haven't been involved in the thing. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was more of a sort of five to ten year thing. Um, the first meeting I had with Rebecca of TMZ was probably mm. 18 months before Tiger King filmed. But my involvement with Don and, um, and Ann McQueen and all goes back 25 years. So the question to me then is, what challenges did you and do you currently face advocating as both a lawyer and as a friend too? <laughs> After one of the remarks I made about the sheriff's investigation, I won't even step on the sheriff's grass anymore. That remark, but they asked me what I thought of the sheriff's investigation. And I yes, told sir. them that everything considered, I had seen Walmart security do a better job of investigating a kid <laughs> copping a TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's a colorful description, sir. Yeah, well, I worked on it. So anyway, after after Tiger King and crew, the sheriff's department uh, was going to hike up the investigation and do this and do that, and they haven't done the whole thing. They interviewed Ann McQueen, really? finally. They've never interviewed me. Mm -hmm. um, they've never interviewed me to this day. Um, the Tiger King production staff? Sheriff's department. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I want to turn back a tiny bit and then get us back to where we are right now. Um, I really wanted to know how you were first approached by the Tiger King production that 18 months after the TMZ interview. My assistant at the time was contacted by Rebecca. I don't recall her. Chaikling, I think it is, um, who is the producer of Tiger King. And um, it started with our all going out to dinner one evening and explaining mm -hmm. to me, uh, what was happening or what they wanted to do. And then after that, they started, you know, some delay, I guess, putting everything together, then started filming everything. Uh, that's TMZ, as you know. I've done TMZ twice, Nancy Grace three times, mm -hmm. Richard Schlesinger, here, 48 hours, people, I, all of them. Now, just for your information, uh, TMZ yes, is sir. circling back and it re-interviewed me three, four weeks ago. Right. Yeah, and how it had changed my life. They did. Wanted to know how right. all this had changed my life. And, yeah. Um, Same questions I have. Yes, sir. And it damn sure yes, did sir. change my life. Here's a question about that, if I can just jump in really quickly. What was your sense of the production scale and potential while you were involved in shooting? I'm sure at the very start, you didn't think it would necessarily change your life. Um. I didn't know what to expect, but what the hell? Give it a chance. But it, um, I can give you some examples uh, to, to let sure. you. I was buying a pair of deck shoes at Bass Pro Shops, wearing a mask, and I was <laughs> recognized in line. 
I was recognized really? at Walmart. with a mask on. With a mask on. I was recognized at Walmart with a mask on. I went and got Mexican dinner a, 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 um, with my two kids and grandson in the next county over. And I had a, a male waiter. And at, towards the end of the meal, he um, stuck his head over my right shoulder He said, are you who I think you are? <laughs> I went, That's I went interesting. How do you? How, how does it make you feel when that happens? Strange. I've I've had right. pictures. T- people want to have their picture taken with me. I'm guessing between sixty and eighty times. Wow. Uh, and everybody. Wow. And that that has a different connotation during COVID. I'm sure if that happens during COVID. It happens. I don't. Yeah. Well, actually, don't, that being said, actually. Tiger King virtually came out at the start of COVID. So all of this for you would be basically in that context. Interesting. One thing about the series I really wanted to know that I haven't heard you or anyone talk about really is how do you feel the series represented the legal issues that it brought up? Do you think the show was fair about its presentation of the law? Um, I don't know what law they really discussed there. It wasn't, wasn't the legality of it at all. <clears throat> By the way, uh, animal control is a, is a microcosm of, of law itself, but it's there are very there are very few people that specialize in it anymore. Uh, but just to follow on your story a little bit, um, the last thing coming out of Tiger King and all that, and the um, Big Cat Sanctuary or whatever you want to call it, Big Cat Rescue. One of their uh, one of their tigers almost ripped a, one of their volunteers' arms off, probably in the last sixty days. It just never ends over there. Uh, no, it doesn't end. Um, I, I don't. I'm trying to think through your question because I don't think they presented any law about anything. The last few episodes had a lot to do with the attempted murder, but they certainly didn't talk about the ins and outs of <laughs> legal culpability or actus reus or anything like that. So I guess that's, you're right. That's true. Um, they could have talked more about the statute of limitations and the forgeries and the, you know, the, um, the will and everybody talked about the will and I kept, when he died or disappeared, yeah. whatever, <clears throat> they had already transferred everything with the damn power of attorney. He died into jail. Right. So that's what I was sort of but they no, they didn't. They glossed over that. Everybody liked talking about the will, so they talked about the will. You know, frankly, frankly, whatever it takes to sell soap suds. Yeah, exactly. Do you feel that um, their sort of depiction of the law and avoidance of legal issues is justifiable given the sensationalism of the show itself? I think they could have done a better job trying to teach the public some law, but that isn't what the public wanted. Mm-hmm. The public, the public wanted yeah. apparently exactly what the hell they got. Just an outrageous, outrageous story. But, you know, somebody, one of my friends, a woman here in Tampa who's a, a, a woman dentist, uh, basically I was talking with her about how in the hell am I so damn funny? And she said, well, that's, yeah. that's easy, Joe. You were the only sense of reason in the whole show. They did their best to keep it that way, I believe. Yeah. We talked a bit about... Um, how Tiger King has, has impacted your personal life. But I was really hoping to uh, figure out whether or not and to what extent it affected your practice itself. I'm 72 years old. I don't give a damn about 
you know, taking on cases anymore. <laughs> I've picked up a few, right. but I've picked up a few more by being a jerk on Facebook. Right. Is it fair to say that um, uh, while you're not picking them up, they're certainly there to be picked up because of the show? I, I've gone into the process of semi-retirement. I have another lawyer here mm -hmm. in, in my building who's taken over from me piece by piece by piece. You know, some stuff is mm -hmm. coming from because of that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm shoving it over to him. Um, well, a couple more questions here. This is the one I was really the most interested in, actually. Um, lawyers, especially criminal lawyers, sometimes gain notoriety through cases of public interest. Do you have any tips for other lawyers who find themselves in your position on a notorious or a public interest case? You know, the only thing I have to say really is give it a try. Don't be afraid of anything. Right. Uh, try it. If nobody's done it, maybe you can do it. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. in my 40 years, I've seen a lot of law change and a lot of things happen. Uh, you know, <clears throat> the first guy that threw an artificial lure for a fish probably got laughed at. Uh, the first person right. to file a uh, nursing home abuse case probably got laughed at. You don't laugh at him anymore. Right. So no. <laughs> my best my best guess so is... So basically just, just jump right in. Jump in it. Give it a whirl. You can always, if you That's have to, fair. you can withdraw. Um, if it doesn't turn yes, out, it doesn't exactly. turn out. So, um, right. I have two final questions, if that's all right. They come together. Um, do you know if there will be a T Tiger King season two? And if so, what would you, I guess this is really the question. What would you like covered if there was a season two? What would you like to see in that season? <clears throat> I'd like to know where my friend went, if you want to know the truth. Yes, sir. Um, right. I... Our share, it was, it was the sun and the moon and the stars all lined up for that damn show. That's all there is to it. As you pointed out, it was during COVID that this happened. So everybody kind of held in place and had to watch the thing. Um, our sheriff was running for re-election when I made that <laughs> that Walmart comment about it. <laughs> His, um, the sheriff's chief legal counsel ran for our, our prosecutor's position during that time period. So, you know, I, for somebody to really make the sheriff get in and do something, what we know, here's my assessment of the thing, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's probable cause to make an arrest in the murder today. Okay, I do. Right. I don't think it's beyond a reasonable doubt, and there's no statute of limitations running. So my best guess is they're waiting until they get more evidence somehow, probably a body. Do you think um, if Tiger King season two had um, uh, Don Lewis's case in mind and they went after it wholeheartedly, do you think that could make the difference, at least to the sheriff's department? I, you know, I can't imagine the sheriff not offering a reward for information. Right. I can't. Right. I can't imagine a sheriff's department not interviewing me for 23 years. Yeah. I can't imagine after Tiger King that they didn't come to my office the next day and do an interview. I'm just seeing a lack of lackadaisical attitude that has not been corrected with anything. The sheriff did get reelected and his attorney did not get uh, the prosecutor's job. So here we are. Well, what I'd love to see, I'd what I'd love to see more than anything, I don't give a damn about them selling advertising. I don't give a damn about Tiger King too. I give a damn about trying to, what this is about, by the way, 
<clears throat> all the appearances I've made $1,000. I've lost 30, 40 hours of time doing TMZ, Nancy Grace, ID, People Magazine, everything. Doing this? Uh, doing this. I, I, one $1,099 for $1,000. That's it, which is a joke. Yes, However, this is about finding my, you know, punishing whoever did what to my friend. I know that there's, I understand. I, we now know that the power of attorney and will were forged. You've heard that. Uh, you know, that, that was kind of a, kind of blew me away. Uh, believe, I believe it was 48 hours who has the big bankroll behind. Uh, they hired the handwriting mm. guy from the Ted Kaczynski murder case to, to do their handwriting exemplars. Uh, and, um, but there's like three or four handwriting experts to say, show you exactly where it came from, how it was put there. The, you know, the question is, who, who would have the motive to do that? Mm. Well, I think you right. know the answer. You know, follow the dog. I do. <laughs> I do know the answer. Follow the buck. Follow. follow the money. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I hope our listeners will, will be as enthralled with your story as I was. Thank well, you again. Take care. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and now on Spotify, or on our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter for the latest updates. Human stories, new legal topics, and career-advancing advice right to your earbuds. Catch it all here, next time on The Law School Show.